When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey y'all, this is Andrew from Great Peacock, and I'm here with Porch Talk. I'm going to play a song called High Wind to start off this uh, episode. There's something I feel my body growing old All these changes can't understand I'm tired of Andrew, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to open up your place and be with me today, man. Uh, it's my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, guys, this is a cool episode. I made a statement a couple months ago, I believe it was on the Untapped and Vinyl, that uh, I wanted to have the great Peacock on, and I've got one of the members with me today, and uh, Forever Worse Better was the album dropped last year which I want to talk a little bit about that. That's that's a story in itself. But 
uh, it was one of my favorite albums of the year, and I thought uh, the songwriting and uh, man, I really enjoyed the music as well. Uh, it was a real well done album. I appreciate that, man. It's uh, uh, it was a big labor of love. Bear with me while I'm moving the microphone here. There mm-hmm. we go. Now, now I'm where I'm supposed to be. Uh, yeah, it was a huge, huge labor. Uh, so it means a lot to me that you like it so much. Yeah, man. Of <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that process, and I want to I want to back up and uh, get a better idea about who you are. Uh, did y'all write uh, all of that during 2020 or during the pandemic, or what did that shape up like? Uh, no, um, I started writing. I can't remember when the album before that came out. If it came out 2018, uh, I think it was 18, maybe it was 17. I'm not sure, but. Um, I think I started, uh, my time is off because of COVID. Yeah, everybody's like, like timeline is, seems that way, right? So when I say something was a year ago, like I really mean 2019, I don't mean 2020. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I started, uh, I spent um, two, most of 2019 writing the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and then we started recording it at the... And yeah, August of two. We went in the studio in August of 2019. Okay, so it was pre-COVID. So, yeah, it was pre-COVID. Okay, um, and then we uh, and we were done with everything on the album by February of 2020. Mm-hmm. So the album was done like pre-COVID, but right as it was hitting. Right, like right as it was getting pretty <laughs> pretty nasty out there. So uh, yeah, so it was 2019. I'm sure there was some stuff on the album that I started writing in 2018. Yeah. I don't know. It was. It was one of those albums that was, it was perfect for 2020. Like it, it was a good, it's a good spin. Uh, and when I share it with people, I mean, that's typically uh, what I, what I tell them is like picture 2020 with this album, but I think it's going to be good for a while. Yeah. You know, it's going to be something to sit down with. Of, uh, But about you, man, where are you originally from? Uh, I'm from, I don't really consider myself being from anywhere, <laughs> kind but uh, of I can, yeah, I consider myself uh, from the South, basically. Uh, okay, but I grew up in Helena. Yeah, you know where that is, Helena, Alabama. Helena. Um, it's just south of here, right? Yeah, um, Shelby County, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in Jackson, Mississippi, though. My family's all, for the most part, from South Mississippi. Um, but. Uh, we moved here when I was one, so I mean, Technically. I, I grew up in Alabama. Um, we lived in at first. We lived in a small town called Maylene. Mm-hmm. It's near Alabaster, and it's kind of like just south of Alabaster and Helena. Um, it's funny because there was like a big heavy metal band from there. I think right called like Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. I think, I think they that's were from right. Maylene. <laughs> uh, it was funny. The first time I ever saw that, I was like, "What? What? There's a band <laughs> that named themselves after the little town I grew up in." I mean, you can't even call it a town. It was just like it was just country. Um, kind of reminds me of Kennedy. That's where I'm at. You know, it's <laughs> real country. small. Yeah, I to tell people about it. I've never heard of it. And I was like, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I uh, didn't know until you told me today. Yeah, it's like we got a caution light, a post office, yeah. like five churches, <laughs> and, a, and a gas station. I figured uh, it was funny when you said Kennedy. It made me think of the Kennedys, and I thought I didn't think people from Alabama were too keen on them <laughs> i didn't know they were gonna name a town after them but uh yeah when i was 15 we moved to alpharetta georgia yeah. it's a sort of a suburb north of atlanta um it was a bit of a culture shock for me what was going on with all the moves at that time parents just finding work or well my dad was an insurance underwriter for etna okay um and uh so we moved here when he was one he worked in the towers at the galleria you know, like the tower that's connected to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, he worked in that tower um, and moved the Maylene to, Hel- to Helena was just down the street. That was just for a better house they wanted. Um, but yeah, tra- uh, this is boring stuff, but Edna was bought by travelers and they dis- did, a- did away with, my dad was in um, um, liability and he was in commercial property basically. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uh, underwrite uh, policies for that. So, but they got rid of that whole division, like the property division, when they bought Aetna, uh and then Travelers took it over. So they didn't want an office for that in Birmingham. He had to go to Alpharetta, so that's why we moved to Alpharetta. I got you. And that was a real culture shock for me. I ended up loving Atlanta and loving Georgia. And I mean, I never thought I'm. Uh, for everybody listening, we're in Birmingham right now. And I just moved here, but I never thought I would move back to Birmingham. 
I know I don't hate Birmingham or anything, but I definitely like my world opened up more when I left Alabama. Uh-huh. It's like, I mean, when I went to middle, when I went to like high school in Alpharetta, it was like there were kids from other parts of the world. You know what I mean? I mean, it was still majority white, but it was it was just different. I mean, I went to school with with Jewish kids, with Asian kids, with all mm-hmm. kinds of people, and and it just it seemed like there was m- more room for thought and and exploration and understanding how other I mean, Alabama can be very. Uh, at first, I was I was taken aback when we moved to Georgia, like the Atlanta area, because I was so uncomfortable because I was so used to, you know, things being the way they are in Alabama. That's right. That's right. But when I got over there in, in my mind and I sort of allowed myself to think more, I really loved it. But um, I think it, it was a good When move did you pick me. up music? Right before we moved to Alpharetta. I'd say probably my seventh grade at River Chase Middle or eighth grade. Yeah, so, I mean, was that like a... A record or a specific band or I've told this story like <laughs> like 20 times if not more it's funny people I swear people think I made it up I didn't make it up um I grew up in a really religious home and we didn't listen to secular music unless it was like the oldies channel okay you know some like very safe stuff you know so um I didn't grow up around classic rock like other kids did. And I didn't grow up around country music either. Because in my family, country music was like considered way more dangerous than rock and roll. You know, it was like, oh, like, like it's, you know, rock and roll is so, I mean, it's so innuendo. Like the name rock and roll is like a euphemism for sex, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's innuendo. Whereas like country music, if they want to talk about sex, they just like say sex. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so country music is much more like in your face. Uh, about about the honesty of it it's it's adult songwriting um mm-hmm. so I, I definitely didn't grow up near that but um back to the story sorry i'm being long-winded um we didn't um i somehow managed to go until the age of like 14 or 15 was around then uh without ever hearing Freebird in in, Al- in alabama in alabama i had never heard that the is song quite the Freebird. feat I know, man. I mean, I'd heard Sweet Home Alabama and all that. And, and I, I'm sure I'd heard Give Me Three Steps somewhere, but didn't know it. But we had one TV in the house. I was into sports. I was really into football. And I was one of those kids. Um, I don't know if you're like me, if you grew up around a lot of other boys your age. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of boys my age in the neighborhood. So we were out. We were just outside. That's right. We played. You know, we played football. We did pranks it, on the neighbors. It was whatever was in, right? Uh, Ring I had, the doorbell and run. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I got an older brother, and uh, when we were growing up, uh, four uh, of my cousins were our neighbors. All boys. Six boys. Every afternoon, neighbors, after school. Yeah. Every weekend. In the woods. You know, whatever sport was in. If yeah. You know, basketball was on TV. We're shooting hoops. or You know, backyard football. Wolfle ball. Um, fighting, of course. Oh yeah, we had a trampoline in my backyard, and that that was that was the octagon. You know, basically that was the wrestling yeah. match. There was a lot of <laughs> a lot of wrestling. A lot of people getting their foot like caught in the springs. Oh you yeah, know what I mean, <laughs> uh-huh. man, it's like with that culture shock. Uh, South Lamar is uh, where I went to high school, and uh, the foreign exchange student program has kind of been off and on. My junior year, uh, they brought in. He ended up being one of my best friends. Still talk. He got married in 2019, and I almost flew to Korea to go. Yeah, I, I just couldn't afford the ticket at the time. But uh, he was from South Korea, and uh, the other foreign exchange student, he was from uh, China. And so we hung out with both of them. So I had just started driving, had a car, and I was like, how y'all go home? And they was like, we ride the bus. I was like, you ain't riding the bus no more. I'm going to give you a ride home. Yeah. Uh, by the way, where I work at, there's a ping pong table and I have a weird thing that I have to do. I want to beat every nationality at ping pong before I die. <laughs> and I was like, I haven't beat a South Korean or a, a China man yet. <laughs> and so, uh, y'all, y'all got to come catch this smoke. Yeah. And, uh, my South Korean buddy, guess what his favorite band was? What? Bon Jovi. Well, you know that doesn't surprise me. They're like huge over there. You yeah, know? and uh, dude, you could his English was uh, it got better as he 
stayed in America and had to use it. But when he first got here, you couldn't you couldn't barely understand him. His English yeah. was so broken. But you put Bon Jovi on, you thought you were sitting next to John Bon. That dude <laughs> sounded just like him. It was so surreal, man. Oh man, I hope he got it. ended on ended up having a career as a Bon Jovi impersonator. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Ho, if you're listening, we just found what you need to do, man. Yeah, man, for sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, weird side story. Oh, no, it's all, that was, I love <laughs> it, man. I love it. We, you, yeah, that's how I grew up. Very similar. Not quite as rural as you, as you did, but but the same same thing. I mean, um, so it was, it was, <laughs> it sounds like I'm making it up. It was a rainy day. It was mm-hmm. really rainy, and it was, um, there was no, I couldn't go outside and play. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I was at that age where you don't just like play with toys in your room, like being 14 or 15 years old, you don't like go in your room and like play with toys still or anything. So it's like, you know, you, you do your stuff outside or you watch TV or you play video games and our TV was out. We only had one TV. Yeah. So I go up to the room and I'm just laying on my bed, like and I put on the radio. I had a little, you know, everybody has one of those little alarm clock radios, you know, and I'm having the alarm clock radio. I'm going through the stations and, I hear some stuff I like on this like classic rock channel. I never listen to it. You know, mom and dad aren't around. I can listen to whatever I want. And um, and I and I was like, okay, this is cool. This is cool. I dig this. Um, I think the first thing I heard that made me stop was I didn't know it at the time, but it was uh, Bob Seger's um, "Turn the Page." Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I like how moody this is. I'm not used to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I was like, all right, I'm gonna leave it here. And then Freebird came on, and I was like, oh, this. The intro was kind of like, this is interesting, but I don't know. I mean, I didn't expect the song to go where it went. Mm-hmm. And then when the guitars kicked in and the guitar, so I was like, I, I literally, my, my jaw dropped. I, I wasn't used to music like that. My older brother had guitars and he knew all about that kind of stuff. He was like the, you know, get in trouble type. And like, he was like already flirting with rock and roll behind mom and dad's back and stuff. And, <laughs> and so he, he wasn't home that night for some reason, but... I heard Freebird, and I—it's I, I, just one of those internal conversations you have where you just go, "I got to get a guitar." I mean, it's just that simple. It's the same thing I hear my heroes sort of talk about. Like when I hear, you know, famous people from the seventies and eighties when they say, "Man, I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, and I, I had to play music." Well, when I heard Freebird for the first time, mm-hmm. I was like, "I got to play guitar." I said, I want to do that. Whatever that is, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about writing songs or anything. I just want to play guitar. But I don't know how to play guitar. I go downstairs to my brother's room. He lived in the basement. And I just pick up one of his guitar and I start playing. And I don't know what I'm doing. And because I don't know what I'm doing, I'm immediately writing my own music. Mm-hmm. That's not any good. I mean, here, I'll get the guitar. I remember the first thing I wrote was like, I just was like <laughs> playing with like going back and forth between half notes. I was just going like. Oh yeah. Which is basically James Bond, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I was like, oh, that's cool. And it's funny cause I'm goofing off and just kind of trying to play it. But when I look back at it, I'm like, oh, I was writing a song. I didn't know I was writing a song at the time. Uh-huh. So that's kind of what got me into writing was I never got that end of learning anybody else's music. I just. To learn how to play the guitar, I had to teach myself. So I had to write my own. It's like playing your own game, you know what I yeah. mean? So that's what got me into it. And then I never stopped, and that got the ball rolling. And that got me really into Skinner, um, was obsessed with them for a while. I think that happens to a lot of sort of like 15-year-old boys though, <laughs> in Alabama and in the South. Uh, got me into that, and then that led, you know, that gets you into this, and then mm-hmm. that, and then you know, I really got in the blues, and that made me. So it's like I got it. I was like, oh, and now I'm listening to John Lee Hooker and the Muddy Waters, and of course Stevie Ray, you know, and all that stuff. And then that gets you into, and then it's like I go from classic rock to getting really into. You know, I had older siblings that were into everything, and they were into cool music. So mm-hmm. my sister was in college, and she liked Wilco and Radiohead. And so, like, I, I, you know, she got me into OK Computer and, like, all that. And then I get into indie rock and then all. And then she gets me into, and I'm at this point, I'm writing my own music and I'm playing in the church youth group and all that. And she, she, but she got a lot of my taste came from my sister's taste. Um, and then what really changed my writing and everything for me was my dad died when I was 18. 
and we he, we buried him in his in an area in South Mississippi where he grew up. And my sister, I drove, rode back to Alpharetta with her from the funeral in Mississippi, and she put on um, Ryan Adams Gold. Oh wow! And um, I was really into like just like rock, you know, kind of more machismo rock and roll and and classic rock and stuff like that. But I always liked moody stuff and emotional stuff too. And she put, I remember we were like pulling out of the sort of, we were like getting on I-59, you know, to head back up north and, and she put on, um, when the stars go blue and I just immediately said, I said, what is this? Who is this? Please hit like repeat, you know? And then we ended up listening to the whole album. And I, like I told you, I was never really into country music cause I didn't grow up near it. So mm-hmm. I didn't understand it, mm-hmm. but that I could hear some country in that. And I immediately thought, like, I, I like that. And then that got me into songwriting, real songwriting. And that got me into country music. And I'm like, oh, and listen to other Ryan Adams music. And I hear, oh, he was in the, you know, I can I hear um, Whiskey Town. And I hear, and then that gets me, like, some, and that, you know, I go from Ryan Adams to, like, George Jones. And then it, the ball just keeps rolling. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and that's what really got me into really writing writing lyrics you know i was never into, i was more into writing music and stuff like that but now that's and i was at 18 so that you know those three years from you know or four years from like 14 to 18 it's like i went from you know leonard skinner to to now i'm on country music and yeah. songwriting and, and then of course that <laughs> opens you up to like you know tom waits and bob dylan and you know, yeah the whole you got it the whole works yeah. and then you start really understanding the emotion of music mm-hmm. you know and and what it exists for and, and you know it's just uh to think but also to feel and yeah it changed my world i'm sure my dad dying and the time and place had an effect on it just like the sort of time and place of hearing Freebird when you have nothing else to do and it's a rainy day and you never heard it before in your life it's uh all happenstance and if those moments hadn't happened at those times I I don't know I might be a insurance underwriter like my dad <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean yeah I mean so I mean what did life look like after the funeral and you were coming back is like as far in your mind like what am I going to do to live I always wanted to play music and I always kind of knew I would do something different than other people, but I never thought I'd go into career playing music. But, and like I said, I was already very involved in like the church youth group and playing guitar and playing, you know, praise and worship music and stuff like that. And, but you know, getting into that kind of music and that kind of songwriting changed me. Um, I was also going through a time where I was really questioning religion, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, again, time and place, it's kind of perfect for that. You know, with Everywhere's Better, like uh, the first time I sat down with uh, Rock of Ages, Mm -hmm. I was like, this is going to be interesting because I was like, I'm familiar with what that means, but I don't think he's going to say that. Yeah. And I was like, interesting take on, you know, the way you put the Rock of Ages. Yeah. I I like it when the songwriters do that. They'll take something familiar, especially like Uh being in Alabama. And I think we... We said uh, right before we started, but I think someone has, if you grew up in Alabama, you have some kind of Christianity on you. Mm -hmm. You you can't hardly, you know, it's the Bible belt. Oh, yeah. Or the buckle. And my mom's parent, my mom's dad is a pastor, Mm -hmm. and her brother's a pastor, and her uncle's a pastor, Mm -hmm. and her granddad was a pastor. My mom grew up in the Assemblies of God. Yeah, I got two uncles that are pastors. Yeah. Yeah. My mom grew up Assemblies of God, Pentecostal. My dad grew up Southern Baptist, but then got, you know, when he met my mom, he started going to the Assemblies of God Church, and mm-hmm. you know, you know, like men do, they, 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 they chase the woman and yeah. they go. And, so, but then he got, you know, into that too, and we grew up Pentecostal. Um, and then my parents kind of shed some of that as I got older, and 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 moved into sort of maybe more mainstream. Uh, denominations but yeah so it was it wasn't just christianity it was like extra it was like family and mm-hmm. it was extra you know uh just uh, life consuming which mm-hmm. which at this even though i'm not a believer i respect i never i always felt like the people in my family at least that i knew there was never any false pretense it was it was always genuine belief and like my mother to this day you know 
me not being a believer real I mean it breaks her heart and I hate that it breaks her heart mm -hmm. but I don't get mad at her for like wanting me to go to church or like talking to me about you know you know laying my cares and my worries on Jesus or things like that. That doesn't bother me. Even though I disagree with her, it doesn't bother me because I know it's coming from a place where she genuinely wholeheartedly believes like, if I don't, then I'm going to go to hell. So mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, even though I disagree with her, I love my mom even more for caring about me that much. You yeah. Know? Right. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, religion's a weird thing, but <laughs> it can be. Oh, <laughs> uh, right, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I try to, um, I mean, I'm a believer, and uh, when I went to the University of Mobile. I studied, uh, I wanted to do missions, and uh, I did intercultural studies, and then I went on to um, New Orleans at the seminary there uh, to study uh, translation. Mm -hmm. uh, there's still a few languages out there that don't have uh, the Bible in their language, and there's a statistic that if you can put the Bible in their heart language, that yeah. um, the culture will begin to accept it, and people will stay within the belief. Yeah. And, and plus, I mean, just with the history of Christianity and what, um, you know, why we had the, uh, what is it, the, the name, with uh, Martin Luther when he nailed the 95 Theses. Uh, Protestant you know? Reformation? That's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was why that happened, was like, you know, the normal people couldn't read it, and they just had to take some other dude's word for what yeah. God was saying. And that's not right. You should be able to interpret it for yourself, uh, because I mean that's. Yeah. I, and I don't want to do a, like a spiritual podcast. You don't want to have a, a yeah. podcast. A, a, <laughs> you don't want to have a thesis on um, theology today. Yeah, <laughs> but like to say this is like, I totally respect um, any background belief. I mean, we've had a lot of guests on this show and a lot yeah. of different beliefs, different worldviews, and. Um, I've never had anyone just like uh, I felt pressured or under attack yeah. because of my belief, and I hope that they yeah. didn't because like um, I'm not going to be an apologist today, you know? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, nobody's going to change my worldview. I don't think, other than myself. Mm -hmm. um, I, all I believe is that I, I miss the social aspect of church a lot. I really miss that. Yeah. I miss going to church. I miss having people as an adult. I, I miss having thing that was a social event for people that genuinely care about you and, and you genuinely care about them and, and drinking isn't involved. And I love to drink. I mean, <laughs> I love to drink, but I'm, I miss, I miss having that once a week thing where there's no, it's Sunday morning. There isn't drinking mm -hmm. and we're together and we, and we genuinely care about it. Yeah. Like I wish I could go to a church and I wish they existed where, um, like, our only belief is the golden rule. That's it. Because mm -hmm. if that is our religion, we'll live the kind of lives that matter, and we'll treat people like they matter, and, and they'll treat us. And obviously no one's going to be perfect, but, but yeah, I, I'd go to that church. If there was a church of the golden mm -hmm. rule, I would go to it. But, you know, somebody's going to start a damn church of the golden rule, and then you'll find out they're... You know, sleeping cult. with fifteen-year-olds and, <laughs> yeah. and and embezzling money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they weren't living by the golden rule. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, if, they, if if you could if you could, you know, put religion down to something that simple, I would go to that church. Yeah, I'd follow that in a heartbeat. That, and that's the simplicities that I that I, I truly love about Christianity is like uh, I noticed it when I began. I had never been around that many Christians that yeah. were going to be missionaries or preachers and yeah. uh, my thoughts and beliefs didn't exactly line up with them they were more hardcore than me um, and I wasn't necessarily gonna <laughs> do all that you know yeah and um, it was that was all that was always real interesting to me is like uh, their thoughts on what church should be like and all this and I was like you gotta kiss man keep it simple stupid <laughs> I've never like, heard that before yeah that's it. They said that was songwriting too. I had a uh, I had a guitar teacher. Uh, I stayed with him for uh, stayed with my studied under him for two years. And uh, when I first started writing, um, the only advice that he gave me at first was, "Kiss, keep it simple, stupid." Yeah, I like that. I'm a fan of the uh, 
don't bore us, get to the chorus. Yeah. And it was a, it's that <laughs> yeah. same thing, right? All killer, no filler. <laughs> those are my favorite band. Yeah. I, I stole all those, of course, from like my heroes. I think I heard like Mike Campbell from The Heartbreaker <laughs> say that. And I was like, yeah, that's, I love Don't Bore Us, Get to the Chorus. But the funny thing is, I love Don't Bore Us, Get to the Chorus, but like I also like, I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I can listen to, 45 minute Grateful Dead songs <laughs> just love the hell out of it yeah. and jazz but I mean that's a different I think when you're writing rock and roll or pop music or whatever or country or R&B it's like it is don't Boris because of the chorus but if you're you know there's a time and place for everything and there's a time for me to zone out and listen to Jerry Noodle for, for a long time <laughs> yeah yeah I have those too man it's uh <laughs> The old record collection as it grows is uh, a buddy of mine was rifling through it the other day and he's like, this is an eclectic mess. <laughs> an eclectic mess. Dude, that <laughs> would be an amazing album title. Eclectic mess. <laughs> but I mean, it's just that. It's like, it's very broad. It's like yeah. jazz, blues, yeah. rock and roll, country. Yeah. <laughs> Grateful Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I love, uh, and I'm, I'm really, especially the older I get, you know, I don't how old are you? I'm 30. Okay, I'm 37. And you get, I'm like, I'm saying I'm old. There's people that might listen to this and be like, you're still young. But um, there's like less room for thought anymore. There's much more like noises bother me. Um, conversations bother me. Yeah. And it's like I find that, that it, uh, my listening habits get that like that too. Where like I'm like super in like, if a few years ago I was like, a real, I was like, man, I'm really starting to like this like atmospheric sort of Brian Eno stuff and, 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 uh, and, and like Lenoir, do you know Daniel Lenoir? Like, uh, uh I don't think so. famous producers, what he's most known for. He produced a lot of U2 records and he worked with Brian Eno, but he's a pedal steel player and it's very moody music, but he makes a lot of ambient music and I listen, I love his, his ambient albums and stuff like that. I, li I just, my point being, I listen to music in different ways now. I don't always listen to music for its melodic aspects or it's even rhythmic aspects sometimes. Now it's like I'm just listening to music for solely for its emotional aspects. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, I don't know. I think a lot, of, a lot of life and a lot of music and a lot of art and everything just comes down to intention. What is your intention uh, in the moment, in the, in the long run, in the short run, whatever. But mm -hmm. I try to just be as intentional as I can. Yeah, I was I was thinking about this on the uh, on the way over, and that halfway answers it, man. It's like some of the questions I I was gonna ask is uh, it's crazy to me, but I'm on the road a lot. Like I have a job to where um, I work in Starbull and yeah. for the city, and so I'm constantly driving around checking things, and yeah. Uh, so I'm listening to a podcast or I'm listening to an album, yeah. And I try to build playlists every day because I want to be intentional about I want to spend some time in this genre, yeah. I want to see what this state particularly is doing. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm hearing a lot about this band. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And um, I was thinking about that on the ride over. I, I listened to uh, Forever Worse Better, and then I was listening to uh, Drayton Farley. He's playing in Helena tonight. I don't know who that and I, is. Um, How do you say his name again? Uh, Drayton Farley. Drayton, Drayton Farley. Uh, it's, he's country, and it's I was like... Say, he, has a, he sounds like he needs to move to Nashville. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's really good. Um, I was thinking about or be a stock car driver, one of the two. Yeah, <laughs> like know? Days of Thunder. Are there any better racing names than those two? Yeah, yes, that, those are good. Oh, Tom Cruise film, but uh, uh, just like Radiohead, you mentioned that is the way I listen to Radiohead is when I need to like spread things out in my mind because yeah. like Radiohead music to me. It, it it opens my mind up because mm -hmm. it, it creates such a big space. Mm -hmm. And then other mu other music is like, this is very light listening. It's very easy. Yeah, It doesn't really challenge me. Yeah, yeah. Which you don't want to be challenged sometimes. That's right. Sometimes you're coming off of a challenge and you don't, you know, like our next album, I, I don't, I don't foresee it being a challenge at all because this last album, Forever Worse Better, was, you know, it was... A year of writing and and i at the time my day job was on the road a lot mm -hmm. i was working for a farm that 
did everything. The farm not only grew his livestock, you know, cattle, did not only like, um, you know, grow them and, and feed them and all that stuff, but the, the farm also owned their own processing plant and delivery. So I was a delivery driver for long distance. So I would go to, every week, I would go to, um, I'd go to Knoxville, Asheville, Raleigh, um, Greenville, South Carolina, Charleston, Savannah, then well, back all over the place. to Atlanta. Yeah, I would do all that. I would do a run like that in three days. Mm-hmm. And I would just drive all day and I would stay in a hotel. And so I had all this free time to think and to write songs. And I found like at least half, if not more, of the album was written while driving, you know? Um, so I forgot my initial thought here where I was going with this. My point is it was a, it was a, it was a year of hard work and a year of writing and we were on the road a lot too. So like I'd be gone for work and then we'd get off home and then like Wednesday or Thursday, great peacocks hitting the road. Mm-hmm. I get home Sunday night and then I'm driving. And I, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was arduous. Um, and, and then making the album was arduous. We produced it ourselves and decided we wanted to, we didn't want to, pay for anybody to produce it well also i just didn't want to give any control up on this one i heard how every song was going to sound in my head and the album is probably 95 percent what i heard in my head but to get there it took a lot of work yeah i mean like we were started we, we cut the drums and the bass and a lot of the rhythm guitars and some organ in the studio in two days but then we spent months overdubbing months and um it took being not a producer and like playing all the keys myself, basically, except for a little bit. I mean, it was hard to get certain sounds and it was just a lot of work and it just took a long time, it took a lot of money. I mean, we spent a lot of money making that album. And my whole point is coming down off of the sort of complexity mm-hmm. thing. And when you're like, you just want to listen to something simple, it's like, I want the next album to be so, like, I'm writing these sort of like songs that I hear like being more just a little more um, organic sounding and folky and maybe a little bit R&B-ish and just rougher, just rougher. Mm-hmm. And like the recordings being like more like room sounds and less in your face and less, less mixing, you know what I mean? So I think the next, but I was really just trying to counter your point, what you said to say that, you know, I, I get it. I understand. Cause, um, because the last record wore me out. The next one's just going to be fun. <laughs> but you got to do that too. You can't ever make the same album twice. Yeah. There's no reason to. Unless you're making volume two of something. You that, know what that's I mean? right. Uh, man, me and my co-worker yesterday, uh, he had opened this up. Uh, we both like music a lot. Yeah. And one of us will bring in like a, a hot topic thing that we're going to oh. pick, pick each other Oh, y'all at, start like, it. Like the day off. Yeah. With a, I like this. And uh, he was like, so the front man for Corn and Kiedis from Red Hot Chili Peppers okay. are in a social media uh, feud. Okay. And I was like, well, now how the hell did this happen? He was like, now I don't, you know I don't get on social media, but he said apparently on Twitter, I can't think of uh, the front man for Corn's name, but he said that... Is it like Jonathan something? Or that sounds right. Jonathan? I don't know. I never, listened to Corn. I never listened to that kind I, I, of music. I, 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 I wasn't into them. Uh, even when they were uh, relevant yeah. and a big deal, I, I just wasn't into that music. But uh, he said that Kiedis couldn't sing. And then he retracted that. Really? And the tried... guy from Corn said that Anthony Kiedis couldn't sing. Which I'm not a big Red Hot Chili Peppers fan or anything, but... I respect the Chili Peppers way more than I respect Corn. That, I always considered Corn to be K R A P. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> that was my dad joke for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and that was kind of the same point that I made with him because our, our first ride through, and I was like, it was about an hour after he yeah. said that, and I was like, you know what doesn't make sense is that would be like me trash talking like Kenny Chesney. Yeah. You know, or I was like, we're yeah. not the same. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not the same caliber. It's like, they're arena rock. They're as yeah. big of an American band as you can possibly be. And also, I was like... That from, little white boy with the dreads is putting down the guy <laughs> chili pepper. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I was, a, he had the balls to wear nothing but a sock on his dick on stage. <laughs> I'd like to see the corn guy do that. <laughs> That's right. And I was like, and the second point is... Once again, I'm not the biggest Red Hot Chili yeah. Pepper fan, but I have a lot of respect for them same. because not one album is near the same. 
No, but they have a singular sound. Yes. They have their own sound, which is what, which in the business is what you need. You need your own sound. Mm -hmm. But you're right. They do. They, they take risks. You know, I imagine all of corn sounds like the same formula over and I would, over I would, again. I would guess so too. Yeah. And it's probably a bad formula, <laughs> you know? Uh, wow. I never got into that stuff. I hated all the sort of like rap heavy stuff, but that's just my taste. You know, yeah. Whatever. Uh, if people like that, they like it. I don't believe in guilty pleasures. If you like what you like, you like it. It's yeah. good to you. It's bad to you. It's all in the beholder. We're all living in our own movie mm -hmm. where we're the star. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't yeah, matter like, what other people think. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that was a take uh, I heard not long ago. It's that same idea. It's like you're leading in your own movie. Mm -hmm. And it's like think about being on the road. Is like you're not worried about any other car passing by. It's whoever's in the car with you at the time. Yeah. It's true. Although sometimes I like to imagine where the other cars are going and stuff like that. It's nice to be a guest star in somebody else's movie every now and then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Just passing through. Yeah, I like that. Being yeah. an extra. Well, man, uh, I want to pick your brain a little bit about uh, songwriting and uh, just, uh, I don't know, maybe you can pick a song maybe you're working on now or just one of the favorite ones over years gone by and just i just wanted to particularly talk about process there yeah on one specific song if there's if there's one that comes to mind to you that means more to i don't remember very often how i wrote a song to be honest um typically my process is is, is close to the same mm -hmm. um usually it involves me playing guitar um Sometimes I'll have something come to me out of thin air and I'll hear the melody and the lyrics and I'll go write it down, which like the first song off Forever Works Better is called um, All I Ever Do. I was in a car driving for work and there was this girl and a lot of the albums kind of how I felt about one girl at the time. And, um, and it, we, we had this on and off again thing, but I really wanted it to be on. And, I, and it was more sort of on and off because mm -hmm. of her and not because of me. And I, I really wanted uh, um, to, you know, to be with this person. And, uh, but it had ended. I think it was kind of really hitting that off for good stage. And I was driving and I was like working and, and, you know, I'm on the road and I'm in the mountains and outside of Asheville on I-40. And uh, I was just thinking about her and thinking about her and all this stuff. And I just remember being so upset. I just said like, and I thought, all I ever do is just, like, think about this girl. Like, all I ever do is think about you. And I'm not kidding. Two seconds later, I just thought, all I ever do is dream about you. And it came to that set. And that's just, like, that's just a gift. There's no process. There's no formula for that. Yeah, it's kind of in your yeah. lap at that point. Right? Well, I pulled over on the side of the road. I pulled out my iPhone. Thank God for... Technology? Yeah. And thank God for the... I don't know if you're familiar with the piano on GarageBand mobile on GarageBand mobile. There's, you know, pull up piano, but it has this auto chord thing uh -huh. where, you know, you put the key of the song in and you, and you can just hit a button and it plays the chord for that chord in the, in the oh, key. Yeah. So I, you know, I had the melody. So I also have my tuner, my guitar tuner on my phone. So I go, I find my root note. All I ever do is dream about you. Ooh. So I find my root note. Now I know what key it's in. And then, and I, I got my chords up and so I start and I figure out chords and I have a chorus. Yeah. And that's a rarity when it comes like that. That's nothing but a gift. That's just you being willing enough to pull your car over on the road and take care of business when you goddamn better take care of business. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're a songwriter, it's like you got to stop when you got to stop because it's your job. And you can't let life get in the way of that unless it's something more important than writing a song, like, you know, something serious, you know, your family or. But that's a rarity. Usually it involves me kind of just. I like to play the guitar every day, not to get any better at it. I try to get better at it, but I like to play it every day because. If I play it every day, something will just kind of fall out of the air. Mm -hmm. And typically for me, it's about hearing something that sounds familiar already. Because that's the kind of music I write with my band. Is, you know, we're writing, we're purposely writing music that is familiar to a degree. Because we do want to be successful. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
but it's also about like when you're trying to get to the most amount of people as possible and you're trying to make them feel a certain way, it's nice to have something familiar. So what really sticks out to me is when I hear something familiar that also doesn't sound like anything else. It's like when you hear that and you go, that sounds, you know, I can, I can relate to that, mm-hmm. but I also go, Oh, like, you know, that's still unique. Like no one's done that before. And so and a lot of times like the lyric will come out. I usually write a verse. If I can get an intro and a verse in and I really like it, then, then I'll go to a chorus and I'll start, you know, and I usually just write like that, like verse, chorus, first chorus. Then I'm like, does the song need a bridge? Does it not need a bridge? Does it just need a guitar solo? I don't know. And sometimes it'll be like a whole nother, I'll hear it in my head, like a whole nother, it's like a, a C or a D section and it's just a different song. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's usually, for me, I have to I have to play guitar or mess around with something. Um, I don't have a piano, but I love piano because I'm automatically writing something different when I'm on a piano because I don't have it. It's Ooh. new, you know? Yeah. The problem with always playing the guitar is just like, it's like you play, pick it up and play another damn G chord again. Ooh, it's just like the likelihood that I'm going to hear something new when I just like... Yeah. Whereas if I go to a piano and hit a G chord, it's like, oh, there's these overtones, how I feel in the moment. What's the room like? You know, my mind's yeah. going different places. Um, but sometimes I get lucky and they just come in the shower. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Or so I've had songs that I, were in a dream. And I woke up and I had the melody and the lyrics and I wrote it down. And nine times out of ten, they were stupid and make no sense and went nowhere. But sometimes it works. Sometimes you have... It, it, to me, it's about living a life of intention. You have to say, I'm going to pull over on the side of the road and write this when I hear it. And it's not always when you're driving. It might be anywhere and it might not be something that pops in your head. I know a lot of songwriters have, they, they listen to phrases other people say and they steal them, which is great, you know? It's yeah. not, using a colloquialism isn't stealing, it's great. It's a colloquialism, everybody uses it. It's perfect. You want to write a hit song? Write something that somebody already says all the time, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, you know, and, and you want to make a living at it. And so if you want to make a living at it, you got you to gotta make it what you do. You got to be listening. You have to always sort of be, li- at least open and willing to listen and I think if you're a decent person that'll make you better with people in general beyond songwriting you know mm-hmm. like maybe you can start being more empathetic if you're just listening you know yeah as yeah, I'm I, talking way too much during this I need to no, listen to you some <laughs> no I totally agree man and like just asking you know open the door to talk about songwriting it's a tough question to frame uh, because I want, I, want, I want whoever I'm asking to take it yeah. wherever they want to go. And I was like, I'm going to try to open, you know, open yeah. this up as wide as I can. You can go yeah. anywhere. Cause like, man, I've been, I've been writing songs for 15 years now. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a big book that I call mm-hmm. songs. Nobody's ever heard or cares about, but <laughs> you know, just, uh, no, you but, care about them. Right? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. And man, I'm, I believe in like the Beatle philosophy of songwriting is like three minutes is just sexy to me. Get mm-hmm. in and get out. And the last two songs I wrote, they're over five minutes long. And I, I was talking to my buddy, um, Monson, and man, he's, he's a good songwriter too, and I like his music. And I, I sent over the files when I recorded it to him, and I was like, I got to work on them a little bit more and they're going to be a little bit longer. And I hate I done this, but I, that's how much I had to say about this. I was like that particular subject. <coughs> yeah. It meant a lot to me and I didn't know it, but it was a five and a half minutes long. I think, you know, it's like a conversation, you know, when it's over and that's kind of what songs are. They might be conversations with yourself. They might be conversations with somebody else, but you know, and, and if, if something needs to be five minutes, it needs to be five minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, something needs to be eight minutes, it needs to be eight minutes. Um, I don't know. There's a cool little book over there I, I think you get a kick out of. Uh, I say little book, it's thick as hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's called Songwriters on Songwriting. It's a uh, um, guy, he interviews with you know everybody big in there mm-hmm. and they talk about this stuff. Yeah. And I, I, I like to read it every now and then when I have coffee. Um, it's pretty neat. Uh, I, there's a little a Tom Petty quote in there that I like, and it it's um it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the piano being different or something. And he just says, um, 
and this is how I, this is how I write. Even before I read that, this is how I write, and that's probably how most people write. But he said some days he picks up the guitar, and it just sounds good. It sounds really <laughs> yeah. magical. You know what I mean? You're yeah. like, wow, this guitar, like this G chord on this guitar, just sounds really great. And like that's you know usually leads to a songwriting day. And then sometimes you pick up the same guitar in the same place, and it just doesn't sound that good to you. And instead of sitting there and trying to polish a turd, like maybe move on to something else, mm-hmm. you know, I try not to get overly determined to write songs too. That's the other thing. Try not to get overly determined. And as it relates to the band or anything I'm doing for a commercial purpose, my end rule, number one rule is always would, would I buy this? Would I, mm-hmm. would I pay money to see this? Would I take two minutes out of my life just to listen to this, even if it was free? Because that's really the world you're living in now. Yeah. Making it past 30 seconds. If you could get somebody to make it past 30 seconds, then you know you kind of have a fan already, which is hard. So that's the rule I live by as far as you know, releasing my work into the public. Um, even beyond commercial, just, just any work. You don't want to, you know, it's like... Um, but... I have to write usually like nine bad songs to write one good song. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just attrition, just attrition for me. And, but I like that. I don't, I don't find that, um, dismaying or, or, or hard work to me. It's like, but that's also a hat. My songwriting philosophy is also like why I tend to really focus on a verse and a chorus in one setting. If I can get a verse and a chorus, I know I'm going somewhere or if I can just get a really just banging chorus or a banging verse, I know I'm going somewhere. But like, if I have a verse and a chorus I kind of like, and then I go back a few days later and listen to it, mm-hmm. it's like I know, okay, that's not going anywhere. And I just straight up delete them. I have, I've, I usually, when I get a song idea, I put it in a voice memo on the iPhone, you know? And when I go back and listen to them a couple of days later or something, and, and I'm like, it's not doing anything for me like it did at the time. I don't think twice about it. People are like, wait, you really, like, you just delete them? Like, like yeah, just delete them. Just move on. Because I write so many songs, like, yeah, I'll go back two or three days later and I'll have five song ideas. And I'm like, and they're all verse and choruses. And I just make a quick decision. Yeah. And this, I didn't come up with the system because I was trying to be organized or quick. It's just what happened naturally. Yeah. Um, but goddamn, it's a lot easier to go back and, and, and hear a verse and chorus and be like, Usually it's, do I feel anything? Is this making me feel anything? And when yeah. it doesn't feel anything, I'm not trying to be smart or witty or what, because I can always change a lyric. That's not really, if I listen to it though, and the sort of like sentiment or the melody or the groove or anything, like if, if, if it's lacking those and it doesn't make me feel anything, then just delete it and move on. Because guess what? If, if, if it's what you want to do with your life, you'll write another one. You'll write 10 more to replace it. Just, just get rid of it. Yeah. Get it out of your life. Don't focus on it. Spend your time worrying about writing something that's going to be 10 times better than that. Don't get bogged down. You know, a lot of people write songs just to write songs. And I don't, I'm not a fan of that. I I really think being well-intentioned matters. So that's my take on songwriting. Yeah. Just, and like what you said, you know, with it, you got a 30 second window to Mm -hmm. catch somebody's ears, you know, especially with today's world. Um, I'm uh, the first two lines in a song to me is like, damn near the most important <laughs> thing. I was like, yeah. you better make those count. Yeah, <laughs> especially if that's going to be your hit or whatever yeah. you know, whatever it is. Yeah, you can get away with a lot more on your second verse than you can. Yeah, your first verse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a pickup line where you're trying to. You that's know what it, I mean? Yeah. Like you better have a good line. <laughs> yeah, I can punch you in the gut in the second verse. I, yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, I love that. That's great. Yeah. Well, man, I wanted to uh, just time spent on the road with the band is, um, and maybe this will be a Nick story because this is where a lot of those stories come from. Uh, best or worst stage banner that's come out of your mouth or maybe someone you were sharing the stage you know, with? Or? Yeah. Uh, I really don't know the answer to that question. Um, best stage banter. Um, I'll tell you a funny one. Yeah. We played, we don't, we don't ever play frat gigs, 
but we had this frat gig because somebody else backed out of it. And we, by the way, it's not we don't play frat gigs because we don't want to. It's just that we're an original band, and yeah. it's kind of hard to, you know what I mean? Unless you're famous, like you know, it's hard to get that. We gladly play frat, frat gigs because they pay a lot of money, mm-hmm. and and I'm not turning down that cheddar. You know what I mean? Uh, so we were playing this frat gig, UGA, which is where I went to school. Go dogs! Um, and we this is the first time we ever done one. <laughs> it was outdoor. They had a big stage and. We purposely tailored this set to, you know, to rock. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, you know, it's like, this is, a, this is a party. They want a party. So we're going to pick all our upbeat songs, and we're going to put like four or five covers in that are really upbeat. Mm-hmm. We played one slower song. It's a song of ours that's called Let's Get Drunk Tonight. We thought it's a country song, you know, it's really sing-alongable and it says let's get drunk tonight we yeah. thought if there was ever a song slow song to put in the in the in the set it's a country song about drinking saying let's get drunk tonight at a frat party we thought these you know these yahoos are gonna they'll soak eat this it. up yeah, man. they'll they eat it up yeah and i remember we were playing it we the whole set we were rocking it on we played this one song and uh 20 30 seconds into it this guy with a Skinner shirt on goes, speed it up. <laughs> that's it. That is the story. That's, man. that, that's, I mean, that's, that's, it's, it, it, those three words were the best banter I've ever heard. Speed it up. <laughs> man, Les Newby, he had a story to where, uh, it was like the sound guy. It was at a place here in Birmingham. This story cracked me up was the dude literally just played the first song. And here comes the banner. One more song. It's like <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. It's like that's almost as bad as the guy out there saying "Free Bird." But I never get mad when those people say "Free Bird." <laughs> I just play like a little bit of it just to like piss them off back. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like it's like if somebody yells "Free Bird," I pick up the guitar and I'm just like, <laughs> "Yeah, get that bridge." Okay, thank you for coming. You know, it's like, and they get all excited, and they're like, "Oh, I heard a, I heard a guy once say, play a hotel, hotel Calida Stairway Freebird." Like he somehow managed to fit. Like I don't know how he did it. It was a thing of beauty. Yeah, he somehow managed to say like Hotel California Stairway to Heaven Freebird, like Hotel Hotel Cala. Calla Stairway to Freebird. I think that way it was. <laughs> Play Hotel Calla Stairway to Freebird. It's like, I should. Uh, just I'm, Somebody's going to come up with a mashup for the yeah. internet, you know? The way you said that deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear that, man. And you know what's funny is all three of those songs, man, when they come on, I don't change the channel. People do. They're like, oh, I can't do it. I'm like... Either one of those. I, I love all three of those songs, man. Yeah. Uh, I actually heard Stairway to Heaven. I hadn't heard it in forever. And I heard it on the radio the other day. And I was just like, if that isn't one of the top five greatest guitar solos, like just fits it, mm-hmm. the song. God, what a great guitar solo. It's a better guitar solo than Freebird. Freebird's not that great. It's more about how it makes you feel. Yeah. But it's also three guitars. Come on, they're cheating. Jimmy Page just had himself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, man, just uh, it's 2021, and like this is going to be interesting to me, you know, maybe in three, five years, and we look back on 2020 and just the COVID uh, pandemic or however you want to put it. Um, Man, what is, um, what was the biggest lesson you learned from just, that period of lockdown and as we're possibly seeing daylight, you know, coming out of it. I don't know if I, I don't know, man. It might be something I learned down the road. Um, I think I learned to appreciate quiet more. Um, I got really lucky. (laughs) I, the person I'm with now, we started dating on New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. 2019 to 2020. Going in, like, so we date. We started dating in the year of COVID, like, yeah. and then we went a while without seeing each other because I was in, in in Nashville and she was here in Birmingham. Um, 
So it was a weird year because every it was hard financially, like a lot of people. I lost my job and had a few months where I didn't have work. And because I worked for a farm, I didn't notice they didn't pay into the unemployment system. So I got the shaft. I couldn't even get unemployment. That's you know, right. I just had no work and unemployment. And it is kind of weird, like when I see people sort of complain about the unemployment benefits now, because like I mean, I'm not gonna dog anybody for getting unemployment at all. I think it exists for a reason. I mean, you're talking to a democratic socialist right now, um, but at the same time, I see a lot of people complaining about oh my benefit. I'm like, well, you know, motherfucker, I went out and got a job driving for Amazon. You know what I mean? There are jobs to be had. Yeah. So like, don't sit there and whine. You know what I mean? Um, that's another story. That's my that's my old man get off my lawn rant. <laughs> for this episode um <laughs> but uh but it, no matter the hardships number one i actually enjoyed having a year off from playing music oh yeah i did not enjoy being apart from the band that i, I missed my club my boys my you know my life with them I, I missed i missed being in the van and being on the road with them but i didn't mind having a year off from not playing shows i really did not mind um but I had this beautiful, like, amazing, best relationship I've ever had in my entire life. So yeah, I think maybe 2020 just taught me to be grateful for what you have. It's as cliche and simple as that sounds. It just taught me to be be really grateful. Be grateful for, you know, be grateful for quiet. Be grateful for time off. I know a lot of people had a terrible year and are hurting, so I can't. I'm not trying to sound dismissive of them. It was yeah. a rough year. and. and politically and emotionally and it was a roller coaster um for sure but it definitely taught me to be i mean i just people that died it taught me to be thankful to be alive for real which is funny because i think you said you thought the album might have been influenced by covid yeah i think the song highwind makes people sort of think that you know what i mean to a certain degree uh, there was another song on it that just it really let me look at the album real quick I think it's heavy load that kind of made me like think yeah. of, think about 2020. I was like, yeah, it was. I, I think it was heavy load. That's interesting. You know, that was the last song going on the album too. Yeah, we discovered that song. We had a different song that was going to be the ballad, and we discovered that song in our voice memos. Myself and Blunt, my songwriting partner, and who I started the band with. Um, you know, uh, he I think he found it in his voicemails and gave it to me. He goes, hey, did you remember the song we wrote and so yeah, that was that was a late add on. It was still before COVID, but yeah, yeah, I'd say that song. I know listening to that song after COVID made me kind of. It's funny because I I like to listen to my own music as if I didn't write it. Okay. I, I know a lot of people can't do that, or they don't. They say I don't listen to my music after I release it. Like no, man, if I don't want to listen to it, then it ain't worth me putting out. I mean, what what yeah. kind of bullshit is that? If I don't want to listen to my own music, then. I'm saying my own music isn't good. That's you know? right. Um, so, but yeah, when I hear that song, it definitely hits me more heavy now than it did when we recorded it, for sure. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, any, anything else uh, you'd like to cover that we haven't touched on? Or? Nah. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I've enjoyed I it, man. Know, man. I, I think I appreciate it. I, I think this is this was a, a conversation definitely yeah. worth having. Well, thank you. I genuinely am grateful and thankful that you decided to include Great Peacock in what you're doing, and I wish you nothing but success. I think that these are the best ways for people to really get to know about, and find new music, find new ideas, and I'm a firm believer in this in this format. You know. Yeah, you? there was a there was a post. I'm, I'll say this when we're done, but um. There was a post I saw the other day. I think they they just you know how they the stupid memes or pictures is the, they always want to use like the tough guy actors in the tough guy movie oh, and yeah. then they'll say some like real man shit. Yeah. Well, this this one was like pretty well done. I think they used Elon Musk as the uh, as the backdrop, but yeah. it was like we're in the age of information and podcasting is the free college in quotation yeah. is like you can learn about whatever you want to learn about on a podcast and it can be yeah. from the lead man in that field at yeah. that time it's true so you you can literally learn from the best for yeah. free 
Yeah. I actually got, uh, I haven't used it yet, but Masterclass, you know those? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're involved with Music Cares, which is amazing organization for musicians um they actually paid to get my car fixed once when i couldn't afford it um but they you can if you sign up through music cares you can get a free uh year membership to all the master classes oh, nice. on the internet um i haven't used them yet but uh but yeah I, I agree with you for sure um thank you for having me man i appreciate it yeah man love to do it i'd love to have the whole band on and just have a party man I, sometime i just love to have a party yeah <laughs> that that sounds good yeah well man we're out of here all right see you when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.